We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Trochi, Senior Editor here at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, Lead College Football Writer at SportingNews.com. And Bill, for the second straight All-America Podcast, we welcome in a special guest. Today, it's Woody Womack from Rivals.com, one of the many uh, recruiting experts over there. And he survived an interesting 24 hours yesterday and lived to tell about it, and now he's going to tell us about it. Woody, thanks for joining. What's up, Bills? Uh, <laughs> surprised, surprised you don't have a more uh, unique name since you're known as the podcast naming aficionado, uh, Trochi. What what happened? We went with all, what is it, All-American College Football? We couldn't do a pun? All-American Podcast. That's right. I named Commitment Issues, and I named Respect My Decision. <laughs> over at the uh, over at the Rivals Podcast Network, which have been busy and I've been listening, so uh, very good there. So, Woody, let's start with uh, you know uh, the national signing day. National signing period started uh, yesterday. Ninety percent of the activity was completed yesterday, but uh, one of the bigger names did not sign. Number two uh, in the nation, according to Rivals, the cornerback from Lakeland, Florida, Cormani McLean. Uh, looked like he was a hurricane, then he wasn't. What's going on? Is Deion Sanders going to – he stole Travis Hunter last year. Is he going to steal Kamani McClain too? So, you know, one of the things we're going to see in the NIL era is – and we've seen it with a lot of people who hit the transfer portal. You know, some of these promises are not uh, coming to fruition when it comes to some of these financial terms. So – you know, I think now a lot of these players are making sure everything is in writing up front. And if it's not in writing the way they like, you're going to see some of this stuff where, uh, you know, we hold out and letters aren't signed. Now, in the past, it used to be the bag man didn't get there on time, you know, like <laughs> or he didn't fly out there and meet up with someone from the family in time to send in the letter. And but now it's, you know, it's lawyers, it's real uh, financial paperwork. So I expect everything to get ironed out with Cormani today. Problem with Colorado and Dion, and I said this on, I don't know, some other appearance I did, 
you know, the AD said they didn't even have the money yet to pay Dion. So, <laughs> you know, the NIL structure is not in place yet in Colorado, and Dion's going to need some time. And maybe next year at this time, they could say, hey, we're going to go steal uh, Cormani away from Miami at the uh, at the eleventh hour, but that that structure is not there, especially when you know we're we're getting hung up on some financial issues. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over three hundred and fifty million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. One more player I wanted to check in on, then I'll let uh, Bill hit you up with a question. Peyton Bowen, five-star safety, committed to Notre Dame for a long time, but it was no secret that he was – it was kind of a soft commit by the end. Oklahoma was involved, and all of a sudden, Oregon came out of the blue yesterday, and it looked like he was headed to Oregon Then at night. He still hadn't signed anything. What are you hearing there? Yeah, and no, I was telling you guys before, by the time this comes out, it might be a done deal to Oklahoma. So – the, the conventional wisdom was he is going to flip. Uh, he's going to flip from Notre Dame. It's going to be Oklahoma. That's what we were all prepped for yesterday. As you know, Bill, we're, we have everything prepped ahead of time and various, uh, you know, moves we could make. We have stories for each option, but it was going to be Oklahoma. Then he shot and picked Oregon. And, you know, his mom's face, I mean, you saw the video. The mom did not look happy, and we all know – Mom's got to be happy. So <laughs> I I was told that, you know, she wanted him to go to Notre Dame and the dad wanted him to go to Oregon. And so they might just split the difference and he's going to go to Oklahoma. So I, that's how I see it projecting recording this around noon. I wouldn't be surprised if it's unannounced by the end of the day. And I saw Oregon announce a 2024 commit, which s- s- sort of sounds like a little PR move to me to kind of soften the blow uh, if and when they lose Bowen today. Well, Woody, I'm uh, based in central Ohio, obviously. Ohio State, it's like this weird juxtaposition of another top five class, but if you look at what happened yesterday and then with Riola, there's concerns about NIL. There's, I, is it a case here where, as the way I tried to put it, 
the disappointment comes is that they're not recruiting a top 10 class. They're recruiting in relation to the Georgias and Alabamas and may have slipped a little bit. Is that fair? Yeah. And it's kind of crazy what's going on with the Buckeyes fan base right now. I was arguing with a former writer yesterday who was telling me Ryan Day needs to be fired immediately and he's going to be fired. They're going to lose. They're going to lo- They're going to get blown out by Georgia. They're gonna get. They're gonna lose to Michigan next year, and he's gonna be fired. And I'm like, well, you know, like, I mean, so he's a supposed coach to... with a ninety percent winning percentage right. should be fired, right? Right. right. That can, that's conventional wisdom, though. And then it was like I saw it was actually a TikTok <laughs> that sent me down the road, um, and this this guy who used to work for like Eleven Warriors or something. His entire TikTok page is talking about how much he hates Ryan Day, and the recruiting thing was one of them, and. You know, look, they loaded up that wide receiver. Uh, they have the number one wide receiver in the class of 2024 committed. I know they lost Rayola, but, you know, Rayola to me was always going to be nerve wracking when he committed that early. This is a guy who, you know, moved from Texas to Arizona to kind of have more of a, a true platform there to play. Then his uncle works at Nebraska and everybody knows Scott Frost is going to get fired. Well, then he does get fired and they bring in, you know, Matt Rule and they keep the uncle. So to me, like Nebraska is always going to be lurking. I think they want Nebraska to show signs of life. And if they do, they'll go there because, A, you'll have the NIL option. But, B, the the kid is a Nebraska legacy. And we know, you know, how that program is. My issue is, like, with Ryan Day, a lot of these – he's shown that he's going to have a quarterback. So I wouldn't be worried about that. I mean – he goes and tries to steal a quarterback from another school almost every cycle. He did it this cycle. They stole the Washington quarterback commit, and he flirted with a couple others as well. They got a few QBs in the pipeline, and guess what? If somebody shakes free a transfer, Ohio State's going to be near the top of the list. To me, the issue is the defensive backs. I mean, that Michigan game was embarrassing. I mean, this is not you know a, a Ohio State you know defensive backfield that has three or four NFL players in it. And, you know, they kicked uh, Kerry Coombs to the curb, couldn't get him out of there fast enough or blame him for the Oregon game or whatever. But, I mean, he recruited a lot of those quality defensive backs over the years, and I think that's the hole for them right now. I think, you know, the offense is always going to be fine. I think they need to to shore up the defense. Let's circle back to Oregon. Uh, They were the, you know, the, uh, the headline of the day with all the surprises and the winners and losers. Everyone had Oregon as a winner. And they started to get the Texas A&M treatment of, oh, they bought their whole class. They bought their whole class. Um, Even if they did, I don't really have a problem with it. Did you see it like that? And I know you don't have a problem with it. No, I don't have a problem. You know me. (laughs) (laughs) I will. uh, I don't care about anything. I mean, look, it is what it is. I mean, this this is the problem is we have a new set of rules and it's going to be tough for some fans to adapt to it's gonna be tough for some coaches it's like matt rule tweeting out money emojis it's like what how do you think you got malachi coleman you the number one player in your state could have gone to georgia and he decided to go play for you uh he spurned Dion. like you think he did it out of the goodness of his heart no like to get out of here with these emojis like <laughs> matt rule you got 50 million dollars in the bank you know you could pay you could fund you could buy sure. two full recruiting classes if you wanted to and still make 10 million dollars a year at nebraska so i don't want to hear it i'm over matt matt rule is on my uh bad <laughs> list after that emoji tweet now people being like oh he owned he owned them it's a shot at the at oregon and whoever else i was like this is, this is lame come on matt 
get out of here. Well, if Matt Rule didn't impress you, which first-year coach did? I know one we highlighted in our section was uh, Hugh Freeze. Not long on the job, but flips a couple commits there yesterday. And, uh, I mean, how much do you think he got Auburn back in the game and, and maybe going into the next cycle? Yeah, he's got a lot of work to do. It's kind of a, a big mess down there for them. And it was just like hiring Brian Harson was a disaster. And it had enough, really had nothing to do with Harson. It's like the whole school has been a mess for – we had Gus Malzana was up was on the hot seat for a decade, and then uh, they go and they get Harson and they fire the AD. It's like you know all these coaches talk about alignment from the coach to the AD to the president, and they say they have it now. I think you know Hugh Freeze is going to be able to recruit regardless. They went out and got some guys late. They flipped uh, Keldrick Falcon State, who's a, a four star defensive lineman who I really liked. I saw him a couple weeks ago at an All Star game, so that's a good start for them. I do think it's going to take a little time to, you know, load up on the bodies. I mean, it's all about the trenches down there and you can't have, and this was something that even Alabama is like, you can't have a guy like Peter Woods go to Clemson from in the state and you can't have Georgia go into Alabama and steal top guys. I mean, it used to be kids would never leave the state of Alabama if they were wanted by one of the two in-state schools. So I would imagine Hugh Freeze is going to really work hard on that. And he's a look, he's a great A recruiter. I mean, you know, remember when he was at Ole Miss landing five stars out of Chicago or whatever? <laughs> it was a different era. So I think with it all being above board now, he should have uh, no problem uh, turning them around quick. But it might be this, this next year might be rough, at least the first year on the job. A couple other first year coaches uh, with huge recruiting reputations and Lincoln Riley and Marcus Freeman. Um, Lincoln Riley took the job. Caleb Williams was coming. Travis Dye was coming. Malachi Nelson committed pretty much right away. And it's like, oh my goodness, USC is going to take over the world. 11 months later, they come in with the number 13 class, according to rivals. It's, you know, he was number 13 in the average recruiting ranking for the, for the 20 guys that they signed yesterday. I would say a little underwhelming. Would you? Yeah, but, you know, I was telling some of my friends uh, out in Oregon who were asking me, I was like, oh, they, they blew away USC's class. And I was like, USC just goes to the all-pack 12 team and just decides who they want to steal. <laughs> like, that's their recruiting class. It's like, right. who made all-pack 12? Oh, this guy at Arizona and this guy at Washington. Oh, we'll take him and him. I mean, you know, look at the guys they got last year. I mean, you know, they took, they took players. They took the Bolitnikoff Award winner from across the country, and that didn't happen until May. So, you know, to me, it's like that's a it's a free agency destination. So the portals, we still have another wave of portal people after the bowl games. I think people are kind of forgetting about that. Then we'll have another wave in the spring uh, when the window opens again. So there's plenty of time for them to add a lot of talent. And I think we'll see that continue to happen. But they do have a good base of, you know, high school guys. I really I like Nelson. I really like Zachariah Branch you know, people compare to Tyree kill. So that's a good start. And I, I just think like, you know, they're going to be getting work done on in the portal. And that's just kind of, it's going to, it's almost like the NFL. It's like the draft versus free agency. You know, you need a good base on the draft, but you know, there, there is no cap and they, they will use the portal to their advantage uh, going forward. And I know we have a lot of uh, Notre Dame listeners on this podcast, and I wanted to uh, get your evaluation of Marcus Freeman's class. Lost a couple of key guys kind of late in the cycle, uh, but still it seems like uh, most reviews give it uh, you know, pretty solid thumbs up. 
Yeah, kind of a rough close for them. They lost uh, Dylan Edwards, to, who was Dion's first big get. That one, that one hurt a lot because they had stolen him away. They lost a running back to Oregon yesterday, and now it looks like they're going to lose Bowen. So that's rough. But I, you know, to me, I'm not worried about Freeman, especially as a recruiter. I think he does a great job. To me, the the question is like the offense is how is is Tommy Reese the answer long term? We saw Drew Pine kind of turn it around uh, and and look a lot better and win a lot of games down the stretch. So that would give me some hope, but I still think they need to get a little more dynamic on offense. That's why losing a guy like Edwards really hurts because they don't have that kind of speed there uh, now, and they just they they need those kind of guys in order to. I mean, because their aspiration is to make the playoff and and win, so they definitely need to to bolster the offense a little. Well, Woody, last one for me, and am I allowed to say Texas is back? Number one and two <laughs> is the arch commit. I mean, beside you get an awesome quarterback. I mean, is this something that will impact the next two to three cycles and give them a roster that could maybe compete in the SEC? I think that, I mean, on my viewpoint, isn't that the point? You get that elite quarterback play and the recruits can follow with it. Yeah, when they landed Arch, there was a quick, you know, domino effect with, especially with a lot of skill position players. The one thing is I don't, uh, you know, Arch has been, MIA on you know the recruiting scene and a lot of that doesn't have to do with him a lot of that has to do with his family which you know they keep doing this thing where it's like oh we want him to be like a normal kid and it's like well any normal football player would be going to all these events you know so <laughs> you're not making him like a normal kid you're hiding him away and to me it's like Arch is a is a funny guy he's uh very personable he's sarcastic so i think you're gonna he has that sense of humor just like his uncles so we're gonna see that and it, i think there's gonna be a major star factor there when he starts playing and yeah i think you are gonna see more more guys want to play with him because he has he has it all like that's the thing is this narrative that just because of his name it's like you know he looks kind of goofy in his face and his hair so you're like look at this kid he's horrible you know, he's six foot four, 225 pounds. You know what I mean? This is not like some little dweeb. Like, I just think people have lost focus and, and you know, lost sight. It's like five years ago, got, not everybody came to everything. You know, this is this is not that rare. And he played a bunch of games on Friday nights. He had more touchdowns and more uh, passing yards than any of these elite 2023 quarterbacks. So, you know, and then the other argument is, well, what about his competition? It's like, well, guess who went to his school? Odell Beckham went to that school. I don't, I don't seem to remember, you know, that being an issue for him. So he, I, he adjusted, right? Right. Yeah. So to me, it's not an issue. You know, if if Quinn Ewers plays like he did the last few games or last back half of this year, Arch Manning will be the starting quarterback by midseason next year. And so I think Ewers can get his confidence back, but. Arch is going to be lurking. This is not, you know, this is a Trevor Lawrence type situation. He's coming in and it's hard to keep that talent off the field. We've seen that a lot of schools where eventually the, you know, maybe the, the veteran gets three or four games. And if he's not getting it done, that, that freshman quarterback ends up being the one. Very good. All right. Rivals Woody, we will let you go. Follow uh, Woody at Rivals Woody on Twitter. He always has a lot to say. Uh, we appreciate your insights. Uh, good luck with your your. I believe it's your first Christmas with two two children under the roof. 
Yeah, You're today's right. my birthday for crying. And out today's loud. your birthday. You. Yeah, Happy so birthday. Yeah, right. come on here. I was like, why did I agree to do this? I did some radio show at like 8 a.m. this morning and I, <laughs> with uh, Cole Klubnik and uh, McElroy. And they sounded like they were half asleep. I'm like, what, what kind of morning radio show is this? Where's the wacky host? You guys got to have some more energy if you're going to make me get out of bed to come be on the podcast with you, or be on a radio show. So um, I'm making the round. So I'm glad I got to come on and chat with you guys. Thank Very you. Very good. All right. We will check in with you down the road. Thanks a lot, Woody. All right. See you later. All right. Mr. Bender. Back to just you and I. Um, yeah, it was an interesting day. And, you know, I think in the era of the, you know, free freedom of movement and the transfer portal, signing day has taken a little bit less of a, you know, importance to roster building. Uh, but it's still important, right? Uh, yeah. I know some kids, some new coaches especially feel like I need to turn this around quick. I'm not going to do it with high school players. I'm going to the transfer portal. Um, but more established programs, this is where you have your foundation for success over the next three or four years. Well, I, and there's a mix. And Woody had great insight, obviously, and I should have asked him because I think one of the programs to me that kind of mastered what we're doing is Michigan. You know, the recruiting class wasn't that great. They landed two guys yesterday. I mean, not great. It's still solid. But Jim Harbaugh's working the transfer portal better than anybody else right now. So it's like a combination of NFL free agency recruiting and – um Good day for the Wolverines overall, and that's that's what the game's headed to. It's a, it's a mix. It's not the same. I don't think the – I don't want to put it down, but the level of interest when this used to be in February versus now, it's changed because we're sandwiched in the middle of bull season and all those things that we're doing. Right, right. Speaking of bowl season, let's get back to the confidence contest. We'll pick five more bowl games this week. Um, we'll update where we are. Uh, we picked – Four games last show or two shows ago uh, where we went through last night's bowls. Um, I ended up getting my four-pointer and my two-pointer for six total points. You nailed your four-pointer last night. Western Kentucky came through for you. Uh, You had a one-pointer, so you came up with five. So it's 6-5 after our first segment Mm -hmm. of the confidence contest. Now we uh, move into segment two. We're going to have three phases of this or three, three segments. Segment two is going to be we're going to pick five non-New Year's Six Bowls between now and the, and the rest of the bowl season. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, next show, next week, we will pick the New Year's Six Bowls. So uh, we Does have a trivia question come first. I do have to ask you a trivia okay. question first. But, yeah, we will we will go through right. our five. My trivia question to you today. Don't answer to the end of the show. Uh-huh. What school has the all-time Longest bowl win streak. You have to think about that a little bit. Uh, I can give you hints if it's uh, that's a tough one, but we'll see. Um, So uh, let's go into our picks. I'll kick us off since I'm in the lead with our five pointer. I'm going to go the Holiday Bowl Wednesday, December 28th, eight o'clock on Fox. I'm taking Oregon minus 14 against North Carolina. Uh, Oregon coming off a big signing day yesterday. But uh, anyway, at least both quarterbacks are playing in this one. Uh, Bo Nix has opted to come back one more year at Oregon. Of course, Drake May announced he's staying in North Carolina after a spectacular red shirt freshman season. The Ducks have 15 scholarship players in the portal, 
and two others have opted out of the bowl game, leaving them with only 67. Uh, but UNC really got hit hard, too, particularly in their secondary. And the biggest tragedy possibly of bowl season, the defensive back Storm Duck is passing on a chance to play the Duck. Yeah. Come yeah. on. That can't uh, happen. But anyway, I feel like Oregon is going to light up North Carolina. Give me the Ducks. Yeah, that's I stayed away. I thought about it because if I was going to take this one, I was thinking about the Tar Heels turning this into a shootout, and that's a lot of points for a bowl game, but it's one I'm just staying away from. So, you know, that's that's a big pick too, a big spread, a big pick. Mm-hmm. I'm taking kind of a risk with my fiver. I'm going to go Texas minus four and a half over Washington in the Alamo Bowl. I okay. like this is the Texas's back bowl. That's why I asked Woody the question. Um <laughs> They're four and one all time in this one. It's close. It's a home game. It's close to home. They've used this game in the past to prop up their following season. And I just think they win that they win a shootout. Now the four and a half is a little tricky because Michael Penix and the Huskies will put up some points as well, but I've just seen Texas do this one so many times. It's like clockwork. They win this game. The reaction for next season comes talked about arch coming in. There's going to be a lot of excitement around the horns next year. So, uh, I'm going to go fiber on Texas. All right. Let's see what we can do. My four-pointer, Citrus Bowl, Monday, January 2nd, 2 o'clock on ABC. I'm taking take another under? big one, LSU, minus 14 over Purdue. they got to cover two touchdowns. Looks like uh, LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels is healthy enough to play. Brian Kelly gave an update this week. Uh, that, it, you know, he looks like he's ready to return to some game action. Big news for the Tigers right there. Purdue is without their starting quarterback, Aiden O'Connell. Their star wide receiver, Charlie Jones, who had almost 1,400 yards receiving, 12 touchdowns this year. Head coach Jeff Brom also gone to Louisville. So the Big West, uh, Big Ten West champs, they're kind of depleted. I like LSU big in this one. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with mine. That's not a bad pick. I mean, I, I again, with all the Purdue depletion, that, that, I see a theme in your pick so far. <laughs> so you went, it's hard because here, here so my next one is a, an emotion pick. Um, I'm going to go with Mississippi State plus two in the Relentless Bowl. Mm. They, they pay tribute to Mike Leach in style. Illinois lost a coordinator, obviously, had a couple guys sitting out the bowl game. Um, you know, looking back at Mike Leach, we talked a lot about him in the podcast last week. He was eight and seven in bull games. And I think the bull game, the Bulldogs take care of business in this one. They throw it around and it's an emotional game. And I'm going to go with the Bulldogs on. Sometimes you just got to make an emotional pick in these bull games. And that's one that I could see happening because I'm going to honestly, I'm going to be honest. I'll probably sit there and root for the Bulldogs for that one. Just one time. Yeah, no question. I think that's going to be interesting to see how they honor him. Uh, the, the tributes yesterday, was it yesterday, um, in, in mm-hmm. Starkville were great, good stories and everything that was very well done. And, um, yeah, I think I thought about that. Mississippi state really is going to have a lot of emotion on their side for that one. My three pointer pinstripe bowl Thursday, December 29th, two o'clock ESPN, uh, Minnesota. I'm taking Minnesota minus 10 over Syracuse. Again, I'm going with the less depleted team here. Uh, I'm getting cold just talking about this game. You figure this is going to be freezing at Yankee Stadium. Um, It's going to be a who can run the ball better, right? Mo Ibrahim is set to play for the Gophers. And Minnesota's go-to back, 1,600 yards, 19 touchdowns this year. 
Syracuse's star running back, Sean Tucker, not playing. So, uh, you know, they will be also without both coordinators. They have moved on. I don't know if Minnesota's Tanner Morgan uh, is, is playing at, at quarterback, but I do think this is going to be a run-oriented game. The Gophers are 3-0 and in bowl games under P.J. Fleck. I say they make it 4-0, and and I say they do it in the double-digit fashion. Yeah, that could. And, uh, you know, that'll be a quick, cold game, even though it's a little close to home um, for Syracuse. So my three is another risky one. I've got three underdogs. This is my second underdog. I've got South Carolina, uh, mm. two-and-a-half dog over Notre Dame. Uh, you know, the uncertainty at Notre Dame at quarterback – I think the Gamecocks were the, you know, like if we were in this 12-team, 16-team format, they'd be a danger team to play if the playoffs were starting now. Uh, they were one of the hottest teams in the country late. I think Shane Beamer uses this to build some momentum. And imagine that. They could close the season beating Tennessee, Clemson, and Notre Dame. Nobody <laughs> pictured that with a team that we watched Georgia mop up with. So I'm going to go the Gamecocks, three points, two-and-a-half-point underdog. I – haven't seen if Spencer Rattler is officially playing. Have you? I have not. I'm, yeah. So I'm going to assume he is, hopefully. But, again, I think – I would assume he is, too. Yeah. I don't think he's an NFL guy quite yet. Um, but, yeah, I hadn't seen confirmation on that. I was trying to find that. But, um, yeah, Notre Dame's quarterback situation, very up in the air. Supposedly Tyler Buckner's ready to go, but, you know, we shall see. And even if he does play, he hasn't played in three months. So – could be some rust there. My two-pointer, the Gasparilla Bowl, Friday, December 23rd, 6.30 ESPN. Wake Forest, minus one over Missouri. Uh, Sam Hartman playing his final game for Wake Forest. He needs one touchdown pass to set the all-time ACC record for touchdown passes. He is tied with Clemson's – let's see if you can get it. He is tied with Clemson's – Klubnik? Or – What's all, what's the question? All time ACC touchdown. Is he passing. tied with Taj? Taj Boyd, you got it. Oh yeah, I knew Taj had their right. Well, Taj played there for four years, right? So, so Wake struggled down the stretch big time. They lost four of their last five, and it started with that game against Louisville where they had eight second half turnovers. Um, I don't think they ever really recovered from that shock. But uh, with Hartman playing and and At Perry, their best wide receivers playing. Uh, Missouri's missing three starters on defense and its best wide receivers sitting out. I'm sort of surprised the line's still at one. Um, I'm taking Wake Forest. Yeah, that that's a that's a good pick. I, I thought about that one. I just the way that they were not protecting Hartman late in the year gives me a little bit of pause because Missouri's got some dudes that can get after the passer. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily love my next pick, but I'm going for it anyway. I, I coastal in East Carolina, so I got pointed this out that. I, I put in our bull predictions that, uh, you know, when these Carolina schools play each other, I, I had them both in North Carolina. I had to go back. Oh yeah. Coastal Carolina's in Conway. Um, <laughs> I, when I lived down there, I always viewed South Carolina and North Carolina. It was the Carolinas. So this is a Carolinas bull. Pirates were one and three against the spread when favored by seven or less. So I'm going to take the Chanticleers coastal plus eight Birmingham bull covering against East Carolina. Uh, Grayson McCall is going to play. I don't know how that affects the locker room. Not how I get it. They don't have their coach. The quarterback's on the way, one foot out. Um, we're in the portal at least. They love uh, him. They love him. I, yeah. That, so I think they. Yeah. I think that's they're a good gonna thing rally. I think they're gonna rally around him. I don't know if they win the game, but I do think they cover here and, and make a statement that their program's still there. And the Sun Belt's been, with the exception of last night, 
the Sun Belt's been pretty good in these bowl games. My one-pointer. This is for entertainment purposes practically only, but uh, Music City Bowl. Saturday, December 31st at noon on ESPN. I'm taking Kentucky plus two and a half over Iowa. And this one is going to be uh, – First of all, it's going head-to-head with the Sugar Bowl. That's getting kicking <laughs> off at noon. All right. And then it's an appetizer before the CFP semifinals, which are at four o'clock and eight o'clock on New Year's Eve. So this and somebody is told me the, Kentucky has a big basketball game in that window, too. This is so, a the, the stepchild bowl of New Year's Eve, without a doubt. And, you know, also points are going to be incredibly hard to come by. The over under is 31. I've never seen an over under at 31. It's just amazing. Uh, but, you know, Will Levis isn't playing for Kentucky. Iowa, who did not have good quarterback play to begin with, is down to its third string quarterback in uh, a freshman named Joe Labus. He'll be making his first start. Uh, you know, the over-under may be the most entertaining part of this game. Both offenses figured to be completely overmatched by good defenses. And in this case, I was like – I didn't see the spread. I said, whoever's getting points, I'm taking it because I don't know who's going to score. So Kentucky's getting two and a half. I'm taking blue. Take less ugly. That that will be <laughs> ugly. I'm, you know, I do this. It's third time I've tried my alma mater for my one pointer and oh one point favorite against Wyoming. I missed Ohio. I think we, I've, I've picked them twice this year. I picked them to beat Kent state. It didn't happen. I picked them to beat Toledo in the Mac title game. It didn't happen. I'm going to try one more time. Uh, 3-0 and against the Mountain West in bowl games all time. The Bobcats, they are at the Barstool Bowl, and I think Tim Alvin gets to 10 wins. They uh, One point, it's a pick them. So, you know, Wyoming struggled to score their last three games. I think they only averaged 10.3 points per game. So I'm going to go to the Bobcats, give me one point, uh, bring it home. It'd be a good finish for Ohio um, and the Mac. The Mac's done okay in bowl games so far. It's been hit or miss. I mean, obviously – uh, no, they've been more than hit or miss. Miami played well in a loss, and uh, Emu and uh, Toledo got the sweep the other night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so let's recap. It's interesting. We picked 10 different games. That's um, good. That's no no overlap. So uh, my five-pointer, I took Oregon minus 14, four-pointer LSU minus 14, my three-pointer Minnesota minus 10. So I got three favorites that have to cover double digits. Uh, my two-pointer Wake Forest minus one, and then one-pointer Kentucky plus two and a half in the shutout bowl. Uh, Bill Bender goes with Texas minus four and a half as his five-pointer. Mississippi State plus two. South Carolina plus two and a half over Notre Dame. Coastal plus eight in the Carolina Bowl. And uh, Ohio, the alma mater, minus one. We'll Trust see what them. happens there. All right, let's give the trivia answer, and then we will get out of here. The trivia question was, who has the all-time longest bowl-winning streak? Let me know if you need a hint. I, I have a pure guess um, because I remember doing this capsule a couple years ago. Is it Fresno State? It is not Fresno State. Okay, they had a, a long power, streak. Power, power 5 conference team, and they built this starting in the 80s and carried into the 90s. Power so, 5. So, probably Miami then, maybe. Close. Miami. Same state. Florida, Florida state. state. Florida State. That Florida makes sense. State won 11 straight bowl games from wow. 1985 to 1995. So, that I'm is trying the to pick the one record. that 
that's a really good streak. I think I'm going to look up what Fresno State was. They, I think it was like seven or eight. I mean, it's hard to win 11 straight bowl games. There was some surprising – I don't have it in front of me anywhere. There was some surprising schools at Boston College yeah. had like an eight-game bowl win streak, mostly like, you know, non-January 1 bowls. Um, UCLA had a strain, you know, it was kind of a surprising bowl win streak for a while or whatever. So, um, yeah, but Florida State was at the top of the list. So, all right, well, great show. We talked a little recruiting. We made some bowl picks. Next week we will be back. We'll start getting into the New Year's New Year six, and then uh, I will be reporting from the Peach Bowl as Georgia and Ohio State get ready to go later in the week. Uh, we're only two uh, less than two weeks away from the CFP semifinals, Bill. If you can here. believe that, it's gonna be fun. Uh, thanks so, so much. Yeah, Merry Christmas to all our listeners too. Have a good exactly. holiday. See you on the other side. Thank you very much for listening once again, and we will see you next week on the CFB Nation All-America Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.